Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You want to support Rollermark Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. You can make this possible. Uh, and, and, and let's deal with this when it comes to this whole issue of blackness. Uh, this is what I said in, oh, let's see, the third year of Obama's term as president. Then when he got reelected, I said... The next black person who runs for president of the United States is going to have a very difficult task, <sighs> said, because you are going to have some black folks who are not going to give them uh, the same runway they gave President Barack Obama. And what you have seen thus far, specifically when it comes to uh, Senator Kamala Harris, is you actually are seeing that. Yesterday, I was on MSNBC, and we were talking about this whole idea uh, of, they were talking about Donald Trump Jr. retweeting uh, someone who said that, oh, did you know that uh, Senator Kamala Harris, her, her, her father is Jamaican and her mother is Indian? Uh, and then, of course, he later deleted that particular tweet. And I went on and I said uh, that there's a significant problem when you talk about this whole issue of blackness. Uh, because it is um, black hate cloaked in black love. And so what you've had, you've had all these folks who call themselves ADOS, American descendants of slaves. And so uh, they've been out here talking about this particular agenda. And, and, and what I find to be interesting is that, and which folks also don't want to deal with, is there is a significant 
uh, hate towards immigrants, even black immigrants when it comes to ADOS. Uh, I can say that because I've had some of these damn fools literally hit me up saying, oh, you're not really ADOS because your paternal great-grandparents migrated from Haiti, which is really stupid and asinine when you realize that I was born in Houston, Texas. My mama was born in Houston. My daddy was born in Houston. And so I can actually trace lineage back. And the reason this thing is stupid and asinine because these folks somehow believe that they somehow have cornered this idea of creating a black agenda for ADOS people, okay? And this, and then the reason I, I have contempt for many of them, now there are some people who truly believe in terms of candidates should have a black agenda and speaking to the issue of African-Americans. I've spent my whole life doing that. Now, some of these fake-ass people all of a sudden decide to just wake up in the last two or three years where those of us like me, I've run three black newspapers. My first internship was with a black newspaper in 1990. Do the math, 2019, 1990, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the reason why this is stupid, because what you have is you do have people who are questioning her blackness. Now, first of all, if you deal with that phrase itself, who is black. You can actually have a daddy who's from Jamaica, mama Indian, and you still black. African-American saying I'm from the United States. It's a whole different deal. She also was born in the United States, so let's not act like that somehow that also doesn't exist. But this thing goes to in terms of what are your interest in issues and concerns. Well, if you actually study uh, Senator Kamala Harris, she hasn't, look at her whole career, she's never actually represented a quote black district. If you're a member of Congress and your district is 50, 55, 60, 65% black, okay, that's a whole different deal. But when you've been district attorney, when you've been old attorney general, when you've been old United States senator, it's a whole different deal in terms of who you represent. Then you have the people who are saying, well, uh, she's now she's claiming black when actually that's not true. But let's break this thing down. So if you listen to the folks who's who are on the ADOS movement, they make the argument that, well, because she's not really from here, she doesn't have the interest of black people. Okay. So please explain to me, Clarence Thomas. He's from here. He doesn't have relatives who immigrated from elsewhere. He's from rural Georgia. He can trace his lineage back to slavery. So what do we say about him? See, the reason this is a dumb conversation, because I can show you somebody who is not from here, but who fought on behalf of black people. Y'all have heard of Shirley Chisholm? Now, now let me compare Shirley Chisholm Clarence Thomas. Shirley Chisholm's people are where? Barbados? Not from here. Clarence Thomas is from here. There's an ideological difference. So if you are studying different people, there are people who have ideological differences. Now, why am I also calling these folks out? Because this black purity test, again, is dumb. Because we've seen it before. You know what we've seen before? 
when we question black people who grew up in the suburbs. See, again, if y'all want to have this discussion about, well, who's ADOS and whose people can trace their lineage back, well, well, what happens then when we get somebody black who grew up in the suburbs? And black people say, well, you're not really black. Y'all know that it happens, right? So what do we say then? What do we then say to somebody who's black, who's ADOS, who can trace their history back, but they went to all white schools and they don't necessarily have the same perspective as other folks who are down. See, I love these folks who hit me on Twitter and hit me on Facebook and hit me on Instagram and, oh, Roland, you don't really believe this when I've been on the front lines while a bunch of y'all been playing video games and now all of a sudden you woke because your ass been asleep while those of us have been awake for a very long time. If you want to question a person's policies, that's fine. When you start playing this game of blackness and what do they claim, then you got dumbass Boyce Watkins who then <laughs> says, how did Kamala Harris go to an HBCU and bury a white man? As if you ain't never seen. But see, the real deal is that the only reason Boyce did that because he's an attention whore and he wants folks talking about him, that's why he did it. Yeah, I went ahead and said it, okay? And so that's what you're dealing with there. The problem with all of this is it's a stupid conversation. Yes, it's stupid. Eric Holder, first black attorney general, okay? Sitting here right now, working on the campaign, dealing with partisan gerrymandering. Where are his folks from? Barbados. General Colin Powell, where are his folks from? Yep, West Indies. Harry Belafonte, where are his folks from? Again, Malcolm X, mama from Grenada. Do y'all even understand we can go down the lines of a lot of black people who have been on the front lines in this country fighting on behalf of black people who are not pure black people? That's what this thing is about. This literally is a black purity test. And it's stupid. It's really stupid. And some of y'all say, well, no, we're not questioning your blackness. Yes, you are. Game, recognize game. And we've seen this when people have questioned black folks who did, well, you're not really black. Because you didn't. See, we know the old deal. You didn't grow up in the hood. But what the hell is the hood? I grew, up in a whole, I grew up in a black neighborhood. Oh, we wasn't a project. But it was an all-black neighborhood. In fact, it was the first master plan, one of the first master plan black communities by the racist Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development in the 1940s. Yeah, real black. That's what I grew up in, Clinton Park in Houston. Okay, so does that make me fully black? And what is fully black. Does it mean having a mama and daddy in the house or coming from a single parent home? Do you see how this is stupid? 
Do you see how this is nonsensical? When we are literally spending time on that nonsense as opposed to the actual issues that impact us. And then I had somebody tell me, well, uh, well, this is the year return where you can go back. For all y'all people who don't know a damn thing about what's happening in the world, seven of the 10 fastest growing economies in the world right now are in Africa. Seven out of 10. Now, black folks been saying forever, oh, we would love to be able to go back to the motherland, have relationships. So why are we creating dissension by trashing folks who are from black countries like Jamaica, Haiti, Bermuda, <clears throat> African nations, because we want to say, no, 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 but you're not pure black. You're not from here. That's not really, really your interest. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it should be no part of this damn debate. Now, if you, again, if you want to challenge Senator Kamala Harris on issues, go right ahead. If you want to challenge Senator Cory Booker on issues, go right ahead. No problem. But to literally be sitting here and having a dumbass discussion about blackness, that to me is trifling. It is trifling. And the last point before I go to my panel, if you one of those folks who are sitting here and you're tweeting, you're talking, and you're saying, oh, if they don't do this, I'm not going to vote. You are dumb as hell. Donald Trump has already appointed more than 120 judges to the federal bench. More than likely, the Republicans will confirm another 40 to 50 before the election in 2020. That means if you sit your stupid ass at home and don't vote and literally give him another four years, that means that he will more than likely appoint another 250 to 300 federal judges to the bench. Right now, he's already appointed upwards of 20% of appellate judges. Now, what does that mean? For all the issues y'all care about, that means when you file a lawsuit, you're likely going to have a Trump appointee hear it in court, which means a right-wing judge. You just heard us talk about the lawsuit they're filing against Florida in federal court. That mean, and those judges will be anywhere from 35 to 45, which means they will be sitting on the bench for the next 30 to 40 to 50, possibly 60 years. That's right. That means that if you are a black kid today who's 18, there's going to be a federal judge appointed by Donald Trump who might be sitting on that bench when you are almost 70. Well, some of y'all are sitting here and you're saying, I'm not going to vote. It makes no sense. Now, nah, what makes no sense is some of the rhetoric coming from you. And let me be real clear. Y'all can sit here and tweet me. Y'all can sit here and cuss me out. And I really don't give a damn. Y'all can sit here and try to question my blackness. And you know what? I just quote Della Reese from Hall Night. Kiss my entire ass. <laughs> this is dumb and they are because there are people who are not from this country who have fought 
along with, besides folks who are from this country, because they said the African diaspora is important. And oh, by the way, if you sitting here want to talk all this smack, then you want to dog folks who are not from, who are not purely black. Well, damn it, stop quoting the slave uprising in Haiti, the first successful slave revolt in the Western Hemisphere. Well, then stop quoting other individuals who are not from here. Because all you're doing is embarrassing yourselves, and you really have no understanding of black history. And when I say black history, yeah, black history. History here and in other black countries. Cleo. Well, your entire ass? Okay. Yeah. Even in, the, no. Uh, entire <laughs> ass. Okay. That's, okay. I'm going to leave that alone. Um, I love some food rolling this shook. No. I just did, wanted to go ahead and say it because I'm tired of stuck on stupid people, uh, such as you, Haywood Johnson. Uh, rolling. So if you post a comment, trust me, I'm going to call you out. Go ahead, Cleo. <laughs> I have not followed this 8OS track that you're referring to, so I don't know what that all entails. But of course, I've heard conversations about K Kamala being black enough, but it wasn't in the context of 8OS, 8OS. And I think that there's other issues here that people are reacting to. Again, it's, I'm not coming from an 8OS perspective. I don't know that perspective mm -hmm. as well as you. But I think there's people who don't trust Kamala because she has a white husband. And I think they're questioning her commitment to black people. Which is stupid. And black issues. Which is stupid. But okay, well, well stupid is one way of looking at it. I'm going to call it stupid. No, okay, it but, but let me finish. Pat Belafonte's okay. had two and white wives. Exactly. We know he black, but go ahead. Exactly. Okay, well, I think it's, I think it's important, as I was talk, telling the producer earlier, that we actually unpack and dialogue around why people have the perspective that they have. Because we can call them name and call them stupid, but that's not going to transform them. From their perspective, their perspective has merit, and I think we should engage it. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, so don't, don't make any assumptions about me. But when you live in a society where white men have killed, continue to kill as cops in any other ways they can, have lynched, have castrated, have done damage to black men, there's a knee-jerk reaction among some black people about, wait a minute, how are you going to be, quote-unquote, with somebody who looks like these people that have done harm to us. Now, that might be a quote-unquote stupid reaction if you come from a place of intellectual analysis, but if you come from a place of trauma and emotional reaction to the assault on black people, you question it. Also, let me finish. Also, some of the reactions that people had to the debate, if I'm not mistaken, because I didn't watch the whole thing, but I think there was one section where a white woman named Joan Baez, what was her name? Marion Anderson? Ma no, Marion Williamson. Mar I'm sorry, Marion Will Williamson brought up reparations for a split second. And I was quickly interrupted by Kam 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 Kamala, who talked about a child. Kamala. Kamala, I'm sorry. Kamala, who talked about a childhood busing experience. And people interpreted that a certain way. That may be behind, I don't know, some of these ADOS reactions that are coming off as being so called black enough. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is half white. As far as I'm concerned, you can't get more black-affirming than the behavior that he did. Colin Kaepernick is half-white. We can go on. Jesse Williams, half-white. I mean, we can go down. We can go down. We can, we can name a lot of half-white people. Barack Obama, half-white. Half Hell, black people love Halle Berry, half-white. 
Well, right. But and my, let's look at all the black men what, who are married to or either having sex with white saw, women. Well, that's a whole, let's just be real well, that's a whole other issue. Let's talk about it contextually. Though. I mean, no, 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 I, no, 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 no. I'm not sure it's a... Who she is married to ain't got a damn thing to do with policy. Because here's why. The same people who are critical of Harris for her policies, do they love Obama? He had a black wife. So... Having a black wife or a white husband ain't got got you to do it. She is running for president. And my deal is, I'm not going to sit in, well, you know, you married a white man. Look, first of all, that's who she married. Ain't got nothing to do with me. I married a black woman. Like, like I said before, you can easily intellectually do an analysis like that. But people's reactions to this is based on people needing behavioral proof that people have their back as black people. Yeah, but but but, but, but you can't even of, but you can't but he, but he's, he, he, it's he, the he, behavioral he, issue. Right. And that, but my, my deal is look at policies. Go ahead, Abers. Then we'll go to Brooke. Yeah, you know, it would be nice if people would form their opinions based on logic and fact. Yeah, it would be. That nice. would be a refreshing change here. And trauma interrupts that. I am well well maybe they need to get go to a therapist then. Maybe let's suggest they all go to therapists because I've been following the Ados group as you've mentioned. And they are very, it's a very, they are completely detached from an understanding of the transatlantic slave trade. Let's first say that, okay? Let's first say that. That they seem to not understand that the difference between me and my brothers and sisters in Jamaica and my brothers and sisters in Guyana and my brothers and sisters in Barbados. Or is Brazil. Where, Brazil is where they were or dropped anywhere. off. Who got dropped where off? They got the dropped damn off. boat dropped us. Yeah. We are the same blood. I agree. We are the same blood. And you are showing your ignorance when you don't get that. And you keep making these dumbass statements, okay? That's number one. Number two, the stuff about who Kamala married. Number one, she didn't get married till she was 50. And I can tell you she dated a lot of black guys. <laughs> so let's just say something right here. With all these black men, like a Dr. Boyce Watkins, who wants to conjecture around how could she, what is the reason, how, why did she marry a black, a white man when his own damn daughter married a white man? Maybe it's the same reason his daughter married a white man, perhaps. Damn. It ain't none of your business. That's the answer, <laughs> number one. That's the answer. And number two, the bottom line is, as you mentioned, this woman has gotten where she is on her own. A lot of times when people bring things like this up, it's because of the sexist notion that the only way an intelligent woman can get somewhere is if she got there from having a sex with a man or because of her proximity to white male power. This is, this is, the, this is the sort of the innuendo that a lot of people are raising when they raise that issue. In fact, right. And other bullshit. Right, because they, they, first we had Willie Brown here, and uh, of course uh, they dated. And first of all, anybody that wants to understand California politics, Brooke, uh, one of the most powerful people in California politics for the last 40 plus years is Willie Brown, a black man. <laughs> yep. uh, and and so, uh, so it amazes me, this whole idea like, oh yeah, she had white folks who were taking care of her career, whatever. Uh, and again, and here's the deal. I don't, I don't, for the people who, and, and let me be real clear. I haven't endorsed anybody. Uh, I've interviewed numerous candidates. Uh, and, uh, and I'm looking at everybody. But the issue that I have here, and then some of the people are saying, well, no, and I've already seen some of the comments rolling. Some of us are looking at her policies. Okay, good. That's fine. That's fine. But Brooke, the problem I have, 
but the people who literally are having this blackness conversation when I know when I've heard people have the same discussion about black people who were born in Alabama or whatever, who are from here, and they like, well, they didn't really grow up in the hood. Oh, and, and so let me break all of all of the, the uniqueness stuff. Well, so-and-so went to a private school. They ain't really black. So-and-so grew up uh, in an upper-middle-class neighborhood. They ain't really black. Uh-oh, you in Jack and Jill. You ain't really black. Uh-oh, uh, you oh, you in a fraternity sorority. You ain't really black. All these people out here even holler, oh, uh, uh, you in the boule. You ain't really black. You have, you have all these folks who want to start assigning who's not really black to determine whether or not you really down with the cause. And that's just asinine. Absolutely. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It is internalized racism that I think just perpetuates white supremacy on a larger scale. That's absolutely just completely what this is. And there's a little bit of sexism in it. And I'm glad you brought up, you know, the person, one of the main people complaining about this, their daughter married a white person. So it has nothing. It's performative. Part of it is performative. And I don't believe that people who are perpetuating this horrible conspiracy deserve any time we shouldn't listen to them i don't think we should have those conversations because i don't think your trauma or what you believe is your trauma is an excuse to abuse someone else and create trauma on them now we are having national conversations debating her identity and her blackness and it's horrible and when it comes to wanting somebody to have your back you know how often do we have the perspective because we always say perspective matters and i do believe it matters and we sat there on the debate stage and one of the most talked about moments came from a black woman with a lived experience of benefiting from busing something that joe biden was against and kind of brought in this state's rights narrative that harms the ability of black people being able to maintain and achieve and hold on to their civil rights and we had a person who experienced that personally. And that conversation was a conversation that needed to be had for America. But it put, you know, in the forefront right there, black people, black Americans and our history. And how is that not having our backs? How from that do, is the takeaway? Well, she's not black enough. That is absurd. Well, I got somebody here, uh, uh, Janine Moran Donald. She's not black. Actually, she is black. She's not African-American. <laughs> Rolling. But she's no, black. But here's the deal, though. She was oh. black enough to get bust. If yeah, she wasn't but, black, she right. would have been in the white school. And the problem, and again, what you have, because here is the this whole deal with, with, these, with ADOS folks, is that, is that uh, the only people who should be benefiting from policies are people who are descendants of slaves and nobody else, which... Okay, that's not gonna happen because the reality is, if we when a law is passed, it's not like you can literally say I'm just gonna exclude all these people here. Now there are examples where sectors or individual groups or whatever, depending upon whatever it was, have been impacted. But the thing that that still is tripping me out here is for all of this attention that going that's going towards Senator Harris. Are the same folks actually demanding in terms of from other candidates? No. And, and, and what are they speaking to? 
And, and the reason I'm also, I'm, and the reason this is a bigger issue for me, Cleo, is because black folks are going to have to reconcile with this reality that as we continue further, it's going to be more interracial marriage. And so what we're also doing is we literally are saying to, I'll say it, black kids who may be the product of an interracial relationship. And what some of the people are doing is you got to pick. You got to pick. It's like, look, people are, people have been going crazy. I'm going to use Tiger Woods, for example. Most been going crazy Tiger Woods. Uh, he calls himself combination. Okay, why did he call himself that? Because his dad is black. His dad is also Native American. But his mama is Thai. And he also has white folks in his family. But he used to say he was black. Who? Tiger. When? I have it on tape. Right. Because I've actually examined this phenomenon. Right. And there's a tape with him about 13 years old where he's calling himself black. Got it. And the assumption is that something occurred, which I'm going to talk about. And what did he talk about? And what did he talk about? He talked about racism that he experienced on various golf courses, things along those lines. He talked about that uh, on tape. Well, later, not around the time he called himself black. But no, no, actually he talked about it. Actually, in the interviews that I've seen, when he also was a kid, he talked about racism that him and his dad experienced when they couldn't play certain golf courses, things along oh, those that, lines. Yes. But here's the point I'm making. The point I'm making is when daddy black, mama tie. You've got some black folks who are like, no, no, you black, so basically forget your mama. But I, I, know, I know some individuals personally, personally, who say that, wait a minute, my mama's black, my dad is white, or my dad is white, mom's black, or whatever, and they said, why can't I simply say I'm biracial? Why do I have to pick? I'm saying that because we are going to have more and more people who are like this here. You show sure off. And what we are seeing here is a dynamic where, hmm, you ain't really black, you ain't really black, and that's, to me, it's nonsensical. Okay, Roland, let me say something that makes something very clear here. First of all, I am with Eidos, and Eidos is not my frame of reference. And one of my critiques of Eidos, which is why I'm not with Eidos, is what you broke down in terms of the fact that they're trying to be divisive and separate black people based on where the boat landed during the, during the enslavement period. And I don't agree with separating us along those lines, so I want to make that clear. I also want to say that black people, and let me finish, because folks love well, First of all, you're talking, so talk. Uh, yeah, but that's not, people always interrupt when I say Man, things like this. Just talk. Black folks live in a context where there's been intergenerational media and institutional rejection of black people, mm -hmm. mistreatment of black people, and black people who have passed and in all kinds of stuff that was anti-black, including marrying white folks as an anti-black reaction. And when I was an undergraduate, I did a whole research project on interracial attitudes and why black people make the choices they make. And I won't get into that right now, but a lot of the reasons why black people make those choices were anti-black. Mm -hmm. And the people who were white in my sample, their reasons for being with black were not anti-black. It was based on fetish and all kinds of other kinds of things. But there's lots of anti-black attitudes in this society. What's going on with some of these people who are not good at articulating what's happening with them, they're more immediate in terms of what's on the surface, is they're concerned about Be people's behavior that looks like it might be rejecting of them as black people. That is a legitimate perspective. It might be dysfunctionally acted out sometimes. And also, we're living in, in a time now where the media and corporate America is disproportionately pushing biracial families, 
biracial relationships, black man with white woman. If you watch TV right now and get your calculator, you'll find very few black-on-black relationships when it comes to black-on-black love and the affirmation of that capacity in the media landscape. So there's people reacting to that. There's people who are skeptical because of the attack on black-on-black love, which Ray Charles can see, that's happening in the media and that's being pushed by corporate America. I went to a tire shop, as I said on your show before, and I saw a tire advertising where there was brothers who looked like me with a child. It was just him and that child who was clearly half white. And these are models. These aren't real families. These, these, are, these are contrived, put-together situations that somebody intended to put together. So some black people, including Cleo Monago, who's concerned about this biracial push that's, that's implying that black people loving each other is not as valuable as black people loving white people. That's a real agenda that's happening. So there's people who are looking at whether they're wrong or right, looking at the likes of Kamala, who from their perspective interrupted the reparations conversation during the debate, like, where is she coming from? And we don't want no we don't want no white man as the first lady with a black with a, with a black president. The first lady not gonna be the first. Well, lady. of course, I'm, I'm, first, I figure a speech. He's gonna be a man. He'll be the first man. Well, but, well, but see, you being rational, I'm talking about what people well, here's, are emotionally well, 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 saying to themselves. For the folks who are emotional, well, I, 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 look, it's real, man. No, no, no. I, I, I understand it's real. I understand it. it's real, but as Ava said, some people need to go here and get some therapy. Here is the piece that people I, who were slaves need therapy. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that's why I said what I said is this is this is self hate cloaked in self love. And if you told, Sometimes, if you but told, not all the time. if you, to, I didn't say all the time, but I'm saying this here. If you told me, Roland, you got to pick this ADOS person whose history and their concern. Ain't got a damn thing to do fighting for the liberation of black people. But this cat, who's from Haiti or Jamaica or from an African country, and they are ready to stand side by side with you, guess who I'm going to pick? The person who's fighting for freedom. Absolutely. And that's what, so what I'm trying to get people, people to understand is you might be an American descendant of a slave and you might not give a damn about black people. And so we've got to stop this whole. It's like, well, no, this is what I am. This conversation can't be centered around Ados. They are a no, 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 no. I'm only mentioning that because I'm I'm also expanding it, Avis, because what we are dealing with, we are dealing, and I keep saying on the on the show why we have to have a a a a retraining, a a reprogramming of Black America. Because when you have a level of self-hate, all of a sudden it begins to, well, no, 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 y'all, y- y'all ain't one of us. So, just you, so you go over there when it's some folk on our side who ain't down with us. That's why I use Clarence Thomas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as, as you mentioned, I think it, it makes sense and it's logical to critique every candidate on their record. But let's critique every candidate on their record. And what I am seeing is some interesting um, folk fixation on Kamala that I am not seeing on anyone else. Guess what? Newsflash, she's not the only prosecutor running. Oh, right. Number one. Uh, 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 Klobuchar yeah. was a prosecutor, record. And you also don't have the same attacks on Senator Cory Booker that you have not with it. Harris. Absolutely. Who authored well, the crime bill? Who authored the crime bill? It was uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Okay, so, you know, I, I think, and, and what does a prosecutor do? I, 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 I have, 
what they actually what enforce the darn laws okay so they enforce the laws that are on the book so so i think it's very interesting to me that she has been singularly fix, fixated on by this group from day one it's not just from this particular debate it's from the moment that she announced and it has been very, very strategic. Right. It has been coordinated, and I believe that there are. It's, it's a Adel, really good. Brooke, Brooke, yes. Right, hold on, hold on. Brooke, final comment from you. And again, I do believe. I'm telling you, I believe some of this also has to do that there are black people who are upset, who believe that black people didn't benefit from Obama. And I said it. The next black person who runs, they gonna catch hell because of Obama. <laughs> Now, ain't that something? I think that's true. But it's so bizarre because I think you're right. You're right. The next black person that runs is catching all of this, but Biden is just sailing through. That's wild. Kamala Harris is being judged harsher than Joe Biden. And I have a problem with that. I do think that there was a lot sure of sexism in a lot of these conversations about her. I want to bring I want to bring in right now uh, Trabian Shorters, founder and CEO of BME. Uh, we were, of course, uh, before even this, all this stuff came up, we were scheduled to talk to him about this whole narrative for black America. And so, Travian, welcome to the show. Uh, your thoughts on this conversation? No, no, brother. Th thanks for having me. It's actually uh, a really poignant and uh, enlightened conversation. But at the heart of it is, and you've all said it over and over again, the question of blackness is a distraction from our actual black agenda. While we're running around spending all this time and energy trying to figure out who's brown enough and who's not and who should be married to whom, we're not spending any energy talking about what is our actual agenda. How do we build black health, black wealth, black know-how, black networks, black love, black like That part, don't get to spend any bandwidth on because we're spending all our time on these things that, like I said, to and, me... And, Trabian, when, when you say black agenda, also, folks, having a real black agenda that's outside of reparations. Because here's the piece. A candidate can stand on stage and say... I support reparations. Got it. Is it going to pass the House or the Senate and get signed into law about Trump? Okay, so fine. Can has said, I believe in reparations. All right, what's next? See, I mean, and, and that's the yeah. piece. So, so the people out here yelling reparations, I'm like, okay, gotcha. I heard you. Uh, what else is on your agenda? This is. Uh, Trey, go ahead. I'm going to go to Brooke. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, if, if I may, here, here's, here's what's on my mind. When you get right down to this question, whether it's the question about, you know, who's black enough or who's not, or, if, or it's the question about our actual black agenda, the main thing that we have to answer is who do we think that we are? Because I have worked with thousands of black leaders now, and I've worked with thousands of white leaders now, and when you ask them the question about black America and how they define black America, both white liberals and black liberals, for lack of a better word, black progressives, they all define us according to some type of dysfunction, some moment in our past, mm -hmm. like slavery, some nonsense about whether we're at risk, high crime, absent fire, all that kind of, that rhetoric is repeated by both our friends and our foes and by us. When in reality, we all got excited about a billion dollar grossing movie called Black Panther because it depicted black folks from a wealthy nation that had educated women leading and dedicated black men committed to the community and the country. And they were all tech savvy and they were cool and they were brilliant. And by the way, everything that I just named about that mythical place called Wakanda is true of black people in America. 
We're a $1.2 trillion economy. Our women are among the most educated in the country. The black men are the most dedicated fathers, according to the CDC. You know black folks love tech because we do it all the time. You know we're the arbiters of cool and fashion. So everything that we loved about this mythical place, we actually have. We just don't act like we have it. We don't talk about ourselves, and we don't define ourselves in the truth that is us, that we are beautiful, that we are accomplished, that we are capable. I was talking to a brother uh, who's an activist two days ago. When I mentioned to him that most black people are not poor, he paused and said, well, that can't be right. <laughs> like, most black people in America are not poor. Yes, there's more than we want. And yes, black-on-black crime is a real thing. But you know 99-point-something-odd percent of black folks do not actually commit black-on-black crime, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. So when we look at our reality, all my, my thought is all this energy we spend denigrating ourselves and then figuring out how to box ourselves, you know, climb out of this hole, that we dug in terms of the way we think about ourselves and the world think about, thinks about us, we can fix all that just by telling the truth about who we are and defining our people by our aspirations. And then once we've you know, made that clear, who we are and who we aspire to be, then we can talk about any kind of challenges that we face. But if you don't do it that way, if you don't acknowledge our aspirations, our contributions first, then people start to think that all we are is a bag of problems and dysfunction. Brooke, and that is so far from the truth that we get into sick conversations. Brooke, uh, Travia makes a great point there. I, I'm love, I love that he brought up Black Panther. I remember when the movie came out the first weekend, I think he did about $240-plus million in opening <laughs> weekend. And I had posted something on my Instagram page, and I said, uh, what if we bought it? I said, what if, we, what if we gave the equivalent of the cost of two tickets to our uh, favorite HBCU. And Brooke, I had people who were coming at me saying, why can't you just let us enjoy the moment? <laughs> and this, then other people said, <laughs> then other people, Brooke said, that's not gonna make a difference. And I went, uh, fool, how do you think it made 240 million if people didn't buy tickets? And I'm going, you do know it made 240 million because folk bought one ticket, two tickets, three tickets, four tickets, and they literally could not put two and two together and say, hmm, if we were so hyped about a movie, which I loved, why can't we get hyped about an HBCU? And they literally said, we couldn't do it. I'm like, but we just did it with Black Panther. Go ahead, Brooke. Yeah. I think that you can do both. It's a, it's a great yes. thing. Yes. No, 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 no. But, no. but Brooke, what was amazing, though, is they actually said we couldn't do it with the HBCU. And I'm like, we just did it with the movie. Right. That's just people who didn't want to. That's why we're in the situation that we are. Right. I just think people yeah, didn't want not, to. It's not. Oh, sorry, sis. Go ahead. No, you're okay. Go ahead, Trayvon. That was going to say, it, it is literally time for the next narrative for black America. We have, you know, if you're a civil rights generation person, that means you're in the baby boom generation. And the baby boom generation is, you know, getting into the late 60s, 70s, and so on. So literally, they're celebrating the 50th anniversary of everything is because they were around 50 years ago. And we're at a point now where so much has changed in our context that we have to update our narrative. And I think the right way to update it is to start off by telling the truth about black people as actually aspiring and accomplished beings because we've been that. We've been assets in this country, literally, since the day we got here. And the only question is, who owns this asset? Well, we actually, own ourselves, I, well, actually, Trey, or do other people I, own I, it? I, I, I'll interject with this here. And I want Cleo to speak to this, because yes, we've talked about this a lot. And, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to schedule this, because I think we need to do it. I'm telling you, if you read Dorothy Cotton's book, Dorothy Cotton yep. was the only woman in Dr. King's inner circle. 
and she was responsible for the SCLC's Citizenship Education Training Plan. If you want to join SCLC, you will come in to their group. You would then get assessed, Cleo. They would assess you, and they would go, okay, this person needs to be reprogrammed. And so they would take you through this program to say you need to be reprogrammed before they will allow you to even join the SCLC. I absolutely believe that what is, is missing is a massive reprogramming of black America. Not only you talk about trauma, you talk about the power of white supremacy. I was playing golf today and this brother was, this brother goes, uh, he said, man, nigga, please. Then he stopped and was like, you know what? I need to stop saying nigga. He said, because there's somebody who's suing a coach right now who, who said to these, these basketball players, the AAU players, uh, uh, you niggas need to start playing better. And one of the parents is suing him. And the brother supports the lawsuit. But he used the N-word in our conversation. And I'm sitting there going, and it's like I blocked somebody the other day who called me a coon. I said, oh, but you're conscious. I said, hold up. How can you be a conscious brother, but you're using the exact same language that white oppressors used against us? I said, now, you want to criticize me? Fine. I said, but why don't you use some language that white oppressors don't use? And I'm, and I'm telling you, the, the, the level of self-hate that exists, and we also think a lot of that is self-love. But, but I'm also saying... Hold on, hold on one second. Hold on, Cleo, then you. Self-hate is not black people's fault. Right. Self-hate is not a intellectual choice that someone made on a Thursday because I hate myself on Friday. <laughs> Right. Self-hate is a consequence of environment in white supremacist culture called the United States of America, which is why I mentioned the media and all those influences. It's important, what you just said is so key, and it's more important than getting mad at black people for being confused, which they did not choose to be because they don't even know they're confused. It's creating that model, that deprogramming, what I call trance-breaking strategy. My work is built around trance-breaking because we're in a trance. When somebody is grown and calls somebody the N-word and then has to step back and go, why did I do that? And going through all these psychological d dynamics, it's because they're in a white supremacy trauma trance. So it's not helpful if somebody's in a trance to re-traumatize them with name-calling, with assaults, <laughs> with getting mad at them Stupid. for being... See, that, that go ahead, go that, ahead, go ahead. That ain't helpful. <laughs> That's not helpful, Roland. We need to do things well, that they might, break, they might break up from their trance. No, it doesn't. We, we, we need to do stuff that's going to deflect trauma and that's going to create a space to actually critically, critically self-evaluate. Okay, I'm not going to call you stupid. I'm going to say you sick as hell. Well, is that better? Well, your neck was still doing the other. The other. What? 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 I can't. I can't even add you to, have, to you it. Have to, you have to come off as if you give a damn. I do give a damn. I know you give a you damn. You sick as hell. I know you care. That's that's what's ironic about your approach. <laughs> I, I know you, Roland. I know you care. I don't care what nobody call you. Whatever. I know for a fact that you are in love with black people and you about the affirmation and the advancement of black people. But I'm actually to consider, and we should do a show on this, as strategies to do trans breaking work. All right. So we can come out. So we can deprogram. Like you say, because you need to do right. Trabian, then Brooke, and yes. Avis, and then I'm gonna close this out and go to a break, and then come back and finish the rest of the show. Go. 
All right. So all I was going to say is our whole organization is dedicated to a next narrative for black America. We have 300 fellows across the country. They're all black, all different walks of life, some of them in finances, some of them on the street, some of them, but everybody's committing themselves to our people and how do we tell a story of our people from an asset perspective and then set an agenda that is about building our health, our wealth, our know-how, our network, and our communities. We're holding a conference in October. You can come check us out at nextnarrative.net, and I will stop there. Brooke, go ahead. I just want everybody, you know, to not cause pain in order to help soothe their yeah. own. Yeah. Well, you that was short and sweet. All right. right uh, uh, Travian, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Give us the website again, Travian. Yeah. Nextnarrative.net. All right. Where is he? Uh, thanks a bunch. In the country. Ask him. Yes, where, brother, where are you in the country? Where are you based? Uh, we're headquartered in... Yeah, yeah, we're headquartered in Miami, but we work around the, the whole the whole. You're nation. in Miami. Okay. okay. All right. Yes. Trayvon, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. All right, folks. Back to our whole Mark Unfiltered video in just one moment. Hey, guys, they're back. Marijuanastock.org has another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in their last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a bunch of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. Folks, the last time many of y'all missed it, y'all been sending me emails like, can I get involved? Well, you now have a second opportunity. This new investment opportunity uh, is as good, if not even better than the last one. I'm talking about industry hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is the cousin of marijuana with a much higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S., creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, which makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action by investing in their crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks, up to $10,000. If you want more information, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org, and yes, it is a black-owned company. Now back to your Roland Martin Unfiltered video. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.